Welcome back to Uncommon Sense, where common knowledge about how to do things in life with your money are not so common. Not so common. Like, not at all. Like, there are a lot of really skewed perceptions about how money works, and we're going to talk about them, because I've made a lot of mistakes, and I want to help you with the knowledge of not repeating my failures. Brandon, have you ever made any money mistakes? <laughs> I've uh, made a lot of mistakes financially. A lot. Dude, tell me one of them. I think, here at Uncommon Sense, um, if you've never listened before, uh, my name is Brandon Forbes. I'm here with my co-host. This is and, podcast partner business partner in crime if you will chase sutley yep biggest financial mistake that i've made would have to be uh, i was 19 i uh, was cleaning pools for a living i know that sounds kind of weird not many people clean pools but i was making about 800 dollars a week swimming when no one was looking yeah and and at 19 if you're making 800 dollars a week and at least the friend group I was in, I thought I was rich. Oh. Nobody, I mean, none of my friends were making $800 a week. And needless to say, so one of my buddies, he's my brother-in-law now, actually, Jonas Poland. He, uh, What's up, Jonas? Uh, he, he did it before I did, but he went up to the old dealership and got him a dope. I think he got a, he might have got a truck. or he, I think he got a car. I think, he, yeah, he got a car. And then shortly after that, I continued driving just my paid-for car, and he ended up moving into this a Chevy Silverado. Uh, We're in Texas, so this is truck country out here, boy. Uh, extended cab, four-wheel drive. This truck was beautiful, but he had traded one of his cars for the truck, and I saw the truck, and bro, I have never wanted something like I wanted my first truck. I mean, like you said, we're in Texas, we're making all this money. So it's like, I have to get this truck. So naturally I talked to my grandpa. He said, that's the worst mistake you can make. Ouch. Two weeks go by and ironically, I was on my way to church, to an encounter conference at Church 1132 actually. And I didn't go there here at the time. But needless to say, I rear-ended someone and the paid-for Honda Civic, and after that, the car was totaled. My grandpa told me, now, Brandon, you just need to get another paid-for car. Mm. And what did I do? You bought another paid-for car? I went up to, I'll never forget, Southwest Kia in Rockwall, Texas, and I got me the dopest Toyota Tacoma. I mean, you've, it's, the, it's the dopest truck you've ever it's seen. It's a very beautiful truck. Like, man, and I thought I was on fire. I was emotionally just on the moon. I had to have this truck, and three months go by, and I hated the truck. I, I had to get a Kia Optima. I, I mean, I had to because I was driven by my emotions. So basically, need to say $24,000 truck traded in on a car. My new payments 25,000. I thought I had one. Mm. But little do you know, Kia Optimas lose 
literally all of their value, like instantaneously. So, yeah, I owed $25,000 on a $10,000 car. And when we started the snowball, the debt snowball, I owed 16000 on a $7,500 car. Mm. So I, I can't even do the math right now. I lost so much money on this car. Ouch. That, yeah, that was my biggest financial mistake. Yeah. Oh, by the way, he said when he started that debt snowball. So that was actually back in September. But as of now, Brandon and his wife are actually, um, it's a magical phrase that Dave Ramsey, he says, it's the goal. It's actually finishing up baby step two. Well, they're freaking debt free. Debt free. As of like three weeks ago. Three weeks ago. Dude, what was it like digging out of that pit? Where did you start? How did it feel? Were you overwhelmed? Yeah, I think, well, Sarah and I, when we got married, uh, like we had previously done a two-year internship at the church, meaning I'm not making money anymore, really, because I'm donating my time and like serving the Lord with my time. So I was, wasn't really able to work very much. And I had a lot of expenses because I went out and bought a lot of things on payments a ring payment, a computer payment, a car payment, a phone payment. I mean, we could just keep going, but credit card payment. I mean, so needless to say, I racked up even more debt and internship. So the day of our wedding, I'll never forget this number, $210 in my bank account. And negative, right under it. Because if, if, if you have a credit card in your bank account, you see your checking, your savings, and then the credit card. So in checkings, I had $210. In savings, I want to say maybe 100 bucks, And negative $5,000. Just like sitting right under all that in my, on my credit card. So uh, literally just the weight of like, holy crap, I have to get this together. I have to pay the bills now. At the end of the day, like I feel responsible yeah. for our finances. Right. And... Right. Going into marriage and that situation will literally wake you up. So I don't necessarily know how I heard of Dave Ramsey. I mean, I've heard of him in the past, but I needed Dave Ramsey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I just realized really quickly I had to get my finances in order. Wow. So, I mean, just started listening to him. Wow. And I think the reason I decided to pay off and Sarah and I decided to pay off this debt wasn't because it's bad to have debt, which it is bad to have debt, but because if we kept it around, we would never get to where I feel like God's calling us to get to Mm. financially, spiritually. The point of getting out of debt is to get to a greater place in your finances to retire a millionaire. Mm. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, we hear the word millionaire and yeah. we're just like, that could never happen to us. Mm. But it doesn't happen to you. You yes. happen to yes. it. Yes. It's it's so backwards. We think that money is just yes. going to come into our possession. And maybe it has for you, but that has not Hard been my experience. You. Yeah. Wow. Um, I feel like we live in such a culture of toleration. Um, when we're in pain, we, we take medication and things so that we can, we can manage our pain so that we can get by. And so I guess the question I have for you is with this debt, assuming it's like 
like a pain that you might just take pills for to manage or get over. What made you decide, you know what? Yeah, I, I, I could pay the payments or I could like go right to the source and just end it. What was that moment for you? Because you had the money, like you could have just managed it. I think whenever I transitioned from making like a good salary as a pool cleaner to just being able to be trusted with more money. Well, first of all, I made the decision to pay off the debt before I got the promotion. Mm. Dang. Which, I mean, I could preach on that Uh to you, but I'm just telling you like, why in the heck? Would God ever trust us with more if we can't even steward the little that he's given us? I mean, that sounds like a Bible verse to me, mm-hmm. but I mean, I'm sure you're already thinking of it. So needless to say, I I think I, I just, I made a decision, bro, that I don't know what I'm doing, obviously. I need help. I listened to Dave Ramsey and every single point that he had was based in truth because I'm used to listen. I'm sure you are too. And anyone listening, you'll hop on YouTube and you'll see an ad with someone sitting in front of Lamborghinis and Ferraris. And they're telling you, this is how you become a millionaire. This is how you should manage your money and this and this and that. They never tell you that you are irresponsible. Mm -hmm. They never tell you that you're lazy. They never tell you that you're foolish. But Dave Ramsey does not hold back from the truth. Mm -hmm. And he, I don't know. I just am the type of person that likes to just be told straight up like what is going on. And honestly, I felt like Dave was slapping me for the first month of listening to him like right in the face. And I liked it though because it made me better. It didn't make me feel good, but it made me better. And I I mean, I I know what it's like to have debt and I know what it's like to not have debt. I'm choosing not having debt every single time that's that's freaking powerful last get one it, thing get it, get it every time i get on instagram so my biggest mistake was a car payment right i mean I, I we already talked about that every time i get on instagram facebook whatever the social media i click on i mean i could probably get on twitter at this point and see it i see these posts bro and they're saying they're standing in front of a new car they're standing at the car dealership with the new Honda Civic, the 2020, uh, the new Kia, the new Ford, the new, it's just the new car. And they're sitting here saying in their comments, thank you, God. I'm so blessed. Just bought a new car. (laughs) Now, this is the first episode, so... I can't be too hard on anybody yet because you don't even probably know what we believe financially. But I'll just tell you straight up, it is not a financial accomplishment to get a loan for a car. Don't do that, please. The bank is thanking God when you drive off at the parking lot. Thank you, Lord. We we just made some more money. But... I'm just going to tell you, God did not give you that car. Mm -mm. Like, he didn't. I I mean, I'm happy for you. I love you. But in the, that contradicts what the Bible says. I mean, I've never read a verse where it says to take out loans for cars. No. 
I know they didn't have cars back then, but to be in debt, it says that you are a slave. So you're posting the picture with chains on your wrist because you owe them thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Now, hey, if you have a net worth that can absorb that hit and you can write a check and pay for it and you choose to put it on payments, I disagree with you. That's your own problem, okay? Like, like for instance, my dad, he has a truck payment, but he could buy the truck right. whenever he wants to. Right. But I'm talking to the 18-year-old listening to this who makes $25,000 a year as a food server. You do not need a car payment. Mm-mm. You do not need. And if, look, I understand times are hard. There's an Uber. Yep. I just Ubered mm-hmm. today. Oh, yeah. To get my hair cut. It was like six bucks. Yep. Like, yeah, there's there's so many other alternatives to that one. But, yeah, I'll stop that rant. Yeah. Dude, no, that's good. Um, I guess one thing that I think about is, and maybe this is probably because I understand more about how cars, especially dealerships, how that whole thing works now. A lot of times I think I'm getting a great deal. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely what they want you to think. You know, they they understand the psychology that goes into the buyer's perspective of the buyer always wants the bargain, right? The buyer always wants to feel like they're getting some kind of a deal going on. But I promise you the game is rigged. And they're always walking out with the smile on their face at the end. They might wait until you leave to then smile as you drive off the lot in that car. And as that car loses four grand, as soon as its tires go from the dealership lot to the public road. But trust me, they're smiling. Oh, yeah. They're they're smiling real big. And so something I kind of want to transition to a little bit um, is this concept of purchasing and the psychology that goes into buying things. Um, just the other day, for example, I bought this really cool pair of uh, yellow uh, Chuck Taylor 70 highs. Yeah. And I just want to explain the story to you. So I walk in to the Chuck Taylor store and my eyes immediately like see them on the shelf. Like they just came out a week ago. And so they were the hottest thing there. I looked over and I was like, Oh my gosh. You know, you know that there's that feeling of, I have to get this right now. And so what do you do? I, Hey, uh, I need a size 10.5 guy helps me out, gets me the shoes. I try them on. Sure enough, they're even comfier than I thought they'd be. Of course. Oh my gosh. The color of the rubber is, is like this awesome cream off white. Like nobody that I knew had it. So I was gonna be the first person to have it. So like all this stuff starts going on anyway. So I buy them and I get home and I, I show my family and I get the, those are so cool reactions and I put them on. I'm like, yeah, these are really cool. And you wear them a couple times and they're like, dang, these are really cool. But the funny thing is, is like three days, like I literally just bought them four days ago. And now when I look at them, there's no longer that feeling of like that. Oh my gosh. I, I still like love them. Like, like there was when I first saw them and what leads me what, what I'm talking about here in buyer psychology is this concept of when we buy things, we don't necessarily buy the product. 
like we, we think we're buying the product, but in reality, we're buying the emotion that the product gives us. We are. And so if that premise is true, all the more cautious we should be as the price tag goes up on that product. And that's especially true when we're talking about cars. It's especially true. Yeah. Um, dude, I love what you said there. Just you bought the shoes and you went home and you were looking. Like, hey, mom, look at these shoes I got. Dad. Yeah. Like, hey, hey, Gabe, like little brother, like, what's up, bro? You see these shoes? Yep. And that's what we do. We we buy the shoes. We buy the watch, the chain. We buy the car. And we want someone to notice it. But what happens when no one notices? Mm. This is what happens. You pay the bill. Mm. And at least you... Not saying you made a mistake by getting the shoes. You can now definitely afford the shoes weekly if you want to. Right. Monthly. Yeah. I mean, like, shoot. This, I mean, but that's the point is you paid the price, right. paid off your debt. Right. You have a well paying job. You're diligent. But the problem is, is that you are stuck with the bill. Now, what happens is, is these people, these kids really, They'll they'll give a loan to as soon as you turn eighteen, you can go get whatever car you want. If you, oh yeah, I mean pretty much, pretty much. I did not make make enough money, in my opinion, to get that kind of a loan. But needless to say, you buy out of emotion. But when that emotion fades, the bill stays. The payment stays. Oh, the payments stay, Bubba. And the interest stays. It just stays. It doesn't not go away. <laughs> and, you know, I think part of my issue with money was that I cared. And this is something I'm still facing. I think it's a byproduct of something younger in life. But I cared so much about what people thought of me. That if he had a cool car and was always wearing nice shoes and clothes to conferences and the cool glasses and just always. It's, it's a never-ending cycle of trying to get validation mm. from people. And I mean, I'm speaking to myself as I'm talking right now. It's yeah. like, dude, I think the biggest problem with us handling our money is that we haven't handled our emotions and our thoughts. So good. And I mean, like, I mean, I'm a Christian, but even outside of Christianity, not, not everyone's gonna believe in God, but like principles with money I mean, I always relate things back to God because I am a Christian. Right. But this goes, I would even say, to anyone listening. It's emotions. It's your thoughts. Like, no one is going to give you what you're looking for. Like, We have to find that in God. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about, it. like, you, you just probably, someone listening, you probably just bought a new laptop. But it, no one noticed it. You know, I just think about purchases like that where I just wanted someone to notice. It's like you want to be seen, so you buy these things. Right. It's crazy. Um, I think a lot of that is perpetuated by the social media culture that we have, um, where it's like we have 
we have more eyes on us at a time than ever before in history. We have more access to information, knowing what's going on, what's up with our friends, what's up in the world. Um, and there's this concept. It was actually a lyric in a song we were listening to earlier. And it was talking about this concept of, I'm always on my phone, right? But I still feel, I feel alone. And there's this really weird disconnect where we can be connected to so many people. But at the end of the day, like 99% of those relationships are shallow on our surface level. And we don't really feel known by anybody. And so what happens is it becomes a vicious cycle of trying to prove on this Instagram post that I'm still just as happy as whoever I'm comparing myself with. And it just becomes the shallow game of spending money and keeping up with the Joneses to try to prove that we're still worth recognition, that we're still worth someone's time and energy and effort to, to want to understand us and get to know us. But that takes vulnerability to be up front and be like, hey, I don't really feel seen right now. I don't feel understood. And that's a scary spot to be in. And I think that's why we compensate with money and we compensate with with buying things because we're trying to get noticed, but we really feel a lack of relationship with people in our lives. Yeah. And I think it's just interesting how much, I mean, Jesus talks about money. You know? <laughs> like... I don't know. I just, it's so important that here's, here's what I want to talk about right now. I, uh, I've been thinking about this concept of I, that God is our provider. I mean, that's, that's a fact. That's a truth, right? It's not your truth. Yeah. We don't it's, do that. It's the truth. Right. Um, so because it's true and he is my provider, I also thought that he was my financial stewarder, my personal mm. finance manager, that Jesus himself was in my Bank of America account managing my money for me because yeah. I tithed right. and because I loved him. That right. Naturally, that I could just eat out every day and buy shoes whenever right. I wanted, and it was just going to go well. But this cannot be further from the truth. God does not manage our money for us. I wish he did. I mean, it's the same concept of because I love God and he's a healer that he should, I mean, I mean, why couldn't he have made me swole? Yeah. It's like he gave us a gym. Right. And the ability to grow. And it's like, I don't know why finances are always excluded from this. Mm. It seems like, mm. like, in our age group, the age group that we're speaking to, mostly assuming on this podcast, is younger, the y a younger age group. For and sure. we just don't start thinking about money until we're older. And by then, I mean, tell us, how much money is it that you miss out on if you don't start investing until you're 25? If you start at 18, it's like over like half a million dollars you miss out on. Yeah. Just like, because those years are critical. Yeah, absolutely. You're not too young to start taking yeah. your money 
Seriously. Seriously. Never too young. Never too young. So this is kind of cool. So my little brother, um, he's been working on one of our friends. Uh, shout out Reeves Family Farm. Check him out for your produce needs in North Dallas. Um, anyways, he's been working there for the past seven, eight weeks. And he comes up to me the other day and he's like, Chase, I want to show you how much money I have saved in my envelope. So I'm like, okay. And so he pulls out his envelope and takes this big wad of cash out. He's 15, by the way. (laughs) I think I said that, but if I haven't already. Anyways, there's a whole assortment of 20s, 10s, 5s, 50s, 100s. We count it up. And my bro's got $1,326 that he saved up in the past six weeks. You're kidding me. I'm not kidding, bro. And I'm looking at him like, dude, you're joking me. Like, what I would have given at 15 to have been able to make money like that. And then over here to have to hear him saying, yep, I'm going to save it for a car. And to see, like, the level of responsibility that he's taking at his age. Because here's the deal. If you've never had to work for something and you've always had things given to you, you're never going to treat that thing with the same level of respect or priority as that that you've actually had to put in sweat, equity, tears, effort, hard-earned things. You're always going to respect them more than things that were just given to you. You are. And so, anyways, a little rant. I'm so proud of him for being so stand-up about such a crucial life skill as managing money is. Like, if you think about it, like, I don't think there's any other skill really like we think about like the trajectory of our lives and like what we do with our life than knowing how to manage our money well it is so important so so important that we know where our money's going you work too hard to not know where your money's going or to be checked out on it or to be afraid of it you work too hard you put in too much time at that server job too much time uh in those movie theaters i I worked at ipic for a while and so like i remember Like, you're getting nine bucks an hour to clean up after, like, you got to be sick and tired at some point of just not having any money, being broke. No, like, know where your money's going. And on top of that, if you choose to make that big expensive purchase, if you choose making 10 bucks an hour to to go, you saved up three grand and you bust off and go and get a used uh, Rolex or Omega or whatever, that's fine. That's fine. But just take responsibility for that decision. And when you come on hard times and don't have money, if you do, take responsibility and say, you know what? I did make that decision to spend that money. Don't play the victim to the system game. There was no system. There was a poor lack of planning. I know it, and I'm coming at it harsh because I'm talking to the older, younger version of myself that made similar decisions and then would get irritated as if I was a victim to something. No, I was a victim to my stupidity is what it was. Don't be like that. Don't be ignorant. Know where your money's going. I promise you, you'll be thankful that you did. I mean, I'm thinking just about your little brother. And I think the reward of being diligent with your money is people notice um one of our good friends vincent uh shout out to vincent love you bro uh he worked with us at the life coach school for a little bit but 
during this process, we were, we've always been, I, I talk about money. I mean, just with my friends, like been paying off this debt, bro. And Vincent paid off all his debt. Yes, he I'm did. not saying that he wouldn't have done it without us by any means, but I am saying like whenever people are around people who are diligent with mm-hmm. their money, it rubs off on people. Yep. Um, and it's just encouraging to hear that the, I believe the only reason your little brother has that money is because of the choices you've been making in front of him. Mm. Um, and your little brother has more money than probably a lot of people listening to this. Yeah. And he's 15 <laughs> and he's, he's not making much money. Uh-uh. <laughs> he's diligent and stacking it away. Oh, he is. He's not out there buying these shoes. He doesn't need, he's not blowing it on Chick-fil-A every day that he really doesn't need to eat Chick-fil-A every day. He he gets to eat at home. Most people listening probably still live at home or have a home where they can go shopping and cook for cheaper. Um, And I'm not saying nice things are bad Mm because I like nice things. Oh, yeah. But if you're broke, you don't need to be buying nice things yet. Mm -mm. Um. I mean, the whole point of what we believe is to have nice things. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's, it's all about the order. In America, we want it and we want it now, right when we feel it, that emotional buying. So we'll go out and we'll buy the nice car before we were supposed to buy the nice car. A good life motto to have is if you don't, okay, if you can't buy it in cash, don't buy it. First of all, I mean, right. straight up, like, that is the basis of what we believe. Right. Two, if you have to jeopardize your emergency fund to buy it, it's not a smart purchase no. either. If you're cleaning out your savings but still buying stuff in cash, it's still not smart. No. Like, I can think of several people right now who every time they get paid, they just blow it. Like, it's just second nature. I got paid, I have to blow it. Mm-hmm. And it's honestly like, I think it's more than anything just a lack. It's a victim mindset that thinks that you can never amount to more than what you are now. So I might as well just spend it. But if you understood what you were spending, you wouldn't spend it the way you do. That that $90 could actually be invested (laughs) into a Roth IRA and turn into something more. Right. It's like people don't know. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. I was financially illiterate. Mm. Dude, talk about that concept of the deeper feeling of it'll never be any better than where it is here. So I might as well spend it and live it up. You know, that huge phrase that was really big, like, what was it, eight, nine years ago, YOLO? Yeah. Whatever, you only live once. And so. However much I make a week, just might as well blow it because you only live once, right? Yeah. Talk about that. And I think uh, for me, it's very similar to uh, think about this. If you're on a diet and you eat a Hershey's cake or you eat a Hershey's bar, my grandma makes like this bomb Hershey's cake. Dang. Like if you don't know what that is. But need to say, if you cheat on your diet, what do you say? Well, shoot, I already ate the cake. I might as well, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. Get a, so 
what we do with our finances is I'm already in a bad place. So that $90 isn't doing anything good for me. I might as well just get the shoes. I don't have any money anyways. But it says in the Bible uh, that wealth gained, um, I, I don't want to quote it wrong, but it says basically if you stack it up little by little over time, mm. it turns into something. Right. So you're, you're, you're basically saying that what you have isn't enough. Mm. And it will never become enough. Mm. And I think that it's more than just math, but being able to see it in a mathematical equation on paper is encouraging. Right. Wow. If I save this $4,000 every single month at the end of the year, I'm going to have a lot of money. Right. (laughs) Right. So it's like, it encourages me to be able to be diligent. Yeah. Versus if I don't look at my money, Mm. I'm going to buy everything I want because I don't have a goal. Right. That $90 a week, if you times it by 52 weeks, will turn into quite a bit of money. Oh, yeah. But we just don't know. Right. So we just spend, 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 spend. You don't have any more money? Well, I have a credit card. Spend, spend, Mm. spend. Wow. And it's just, bro. It's terrible. I can't, oh my gosh, it gives me so much anxiety just to think about how people could potentially be living right now. Your net worth is negative. Let me, let me help you, whoever you are listening. If you go to the dealership and you have 3000 in savings and you buy that 2020 car because you have, what, 10 payments in a row stacked up, $300 payments, your net worth is negative as soon as you drive off the lot. You put a thousand down, you have two thousand left in your savings, and your net worth just sh- like the stock market did a few months ago. It went down, man. <sighs> yeah. You have a negative net worth. You don't have enough cash to cover the difference, and you nope. can't get out of the car. Nope. You're stuck. And no, I don't believe in living this way forever. But come on now, like let's take some responsibility. Let's put on our big boy uh, britches and let's get to work. Right. Right. <laughs> Like, let's get to work. And I think something that you hit on a second ago is you said, might as well blow the money because there's no goal. Because there's no vision. Todd, uh, Michael Todd, Pastor Michael Todd, pastor of Transformation Church in Oklahoma, has this really cool series out right now um, called Relationship Goals. He just Mm. uh, actually put out this book about it. I know we're talking about money, but we're going to transition this. Um, anyways, he was talking about in this series, this concept of culturally speaking, a lot of times when it comes to dating, we don't necessarily have a vision for what we want that relationship to look like. And so what that looks like is, oh, she's cute. He's handsome, whatever. Like, let's just date and see if it works. If it doesn't, it's whatever. It's like, there's like this lackadaisical approach, um, to looking for this person that if you're a Christian, at least like we believe in like we're dating somebody to eventually marry them. Yeah. And like, that's not like a like little deal. Like that's a lifelong commitment we're talking about. And so anyways, he, he talks about this approach that a lot of times even Christians like we can take sometimes of, okay, like I'll, I'll just, I'll just date whoever I want and hope to hit my goal that they're going to be, um, a man of purity or a woman of integrity or 
um, someone who presses in with their faith with the Lord or is kind or is gentle or patient, whatever. And like, we, we just like hope these things are going to come about, but we don't have a true vision that we're able to like draw a line in the sand and be like, no, you know, I want my marriage to be a marriage of character, a marriage of integrity or whatever. And so in order to do that, I need to number one, work on those things in myself so that I bring something to the table. And number two, look for a person, a mate with those same attributes, because that's the only way we're going to get to that vision. It's not just like a drawing paper from the hat of hoping that this is hope this person meets all these things. Number one, they never will meet all your wants and needs. Only Jesus can really fulfill that. But you, you catch what I'm saying here. And my point is, is with money in the same sense, we have to understand if my vision, if my goal is to save, let's say $5,000 in a year. Okay. Well, I need to now put steps into place the guarantee that I get there. What does $5,000 a year look like? Well, it looks like just shy of putting aside 100 bucks a week. That's what it looks like. Okay, so if I know that, and I know that the goal is $5,000 a week, and if I have the money, right, Some maybe maybe you can't put 100 bucks a week aside, whatever, whatever. My point is, if I know what the goal is, and I know that I have the means to put that money aside, and I choose not to do it, well, that's on me now. You see what I'm saying? Like we, we take this approach to things of a, a lot of times um, our pastor at Church 1132, Pastor Dustin, talks about the concept of maturity. And he says maturity doesn't mean just an abundance of knowledge. doesn't mean I'm just, oh, I'm wise. I just know things. No, he says maturity is actually taking what you know and applying it to your life. That's true maturity because it shows I don't, it's not just that I know how to learn things, but I know how to learn them and apply them to get a new result, to do a new thing, to bring about a new finished product. Yeah. And that all ties into vision. Yeah. uh, I like what you said. Um, Try a new thing um, to the one person listening to the 10 people listening. I don't know how many people are going to listen to this. Whoever you are, what you've been doing hasn't been working. That is the first step to getting to where you want to be. I had to look myself straight up in the mirror and just be like, it's not working. Mm. And that, that's all you need. If that's all that you leave this podcast with is a curiosity of, I don't know what I'm doing. That's a step. Now, the good news is we can help you get to where you want to be. Yeah, for sure. Um, We would love to begin uh, to coach uh, some of you to walk with you. Absolutely. To get a plan for your money. Coming out with us. To just, just, life is too good and too short not to win with money. Right. And really, God gives us the steps, the blueprints. Yep. Um, I guess the last thing we can talk about really quickly, uh, just baby steps one through three. Hmm. I think most of the people we're talking to right now are in, would fall into those three. Yeah. Um, so yeah, baby step one is save a thousand dollars. There should be a thousand dollars in your savings account at all times. Minimum minimum if you're in baby step one baby step two 
is if you have debt, keep that $1,000 in your savings account and begin to use the debt snowball to pay off all of your debt except your house. Yep. And how you do the snowball is you list your debts smallest to largest. And if you have a $75 credit card, pay that off today and then roll that payment into your next debt. Yeah. So it's pretty pretty easy. Uh, if you have questions about that, again, we would love to help you. For sure. Uh, baby step three is to have three to six months of expenses now since you're debt-free. Yep. You grow that $1,000 emergency fund into a three to six month all-encompassing emergency fund. And bro, just the peace of having that. Think about yeah. it. If you if it costs you a thousand dollars a month to live, to to go to the college that you go to, to the internship program that you're in, if it costs you a thousand dollars a month, how would you feel when you laid your head down knowing that you have six grand sitting there? Yep. Or three grand if it's if you choose to do the three month. If you lost your job, if your car blew up you had to buy all four new tires. It's no longer an emergency. Right. That's my point. It's an inconvenience. So it's just such a good way to live. And I guess it is possible to win with money. And if you want to be generous, like we all do. Yeah. You can't give what you don't have. So do you have any uh, final thoughts for our first episode of Uncommon Sense? Dang. Where common sense about your money is uncommon. It's very uncommon. Very, very uncommon. I think just in wrapping this whole thing up, um, I just want to acknowledge, like, if you're still listening, like, you are so awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you Thank for you. listening. Thank you. Thank you. This is, like, something that... Um, we're both super passionate about and yeah um i can tell you firsthand the peace that it's brought me being debt free and now moving into baby step 3 and saving saving up the money for those expenses um i guess the final thing i really want to hit on is there is there is a level of empowerment I would say that comes along with this whole money thing there's a level of self-confidence there's a level of looking at something seemingly difficult at the time and as you take steps towards taking care of it that builds up that thing in you of understanding like wow I I really can do hard things and it sounds so super simple, um, but I think it's profound in the sense that a lot of times I think in our culture we're perpetuate we're 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 presented with this lie in many ways of like the life you have is what you have, accept it, yeah you know move through it get over it whatever. Um, things happen to you, people make you mad, people make you upset, people hurt you, and it's all this just this narrative of. You're a victim. Yeah. Claim your victimhood. You're a victim. You know, 
people should apologize, like whatever. And to an extent, it's understandable, but I promise if you want to live a powerful life, a life where you dictate the decisions, a life where you and you alone are responsible for your failures, but also your successes. Yeah. Because that's the thing right there. A lot of times I think why we stay in this victim mentality is because if I have to acknowledge that I'm not, someone else is not to blame for my problems, then I have to take responsibility for that. And that's not fun. It's not fun. It's not fun at all. It's not, it's not fun to be like, oh, wow, I am my own worst enemy. But if you don't do it, it will cost you everything. If you don't begin to take responsibility, you're never going to get to where you want to be. No. It doesn't just happen. Nope. You don't walk into the life you imagine. That's what I thought for so long, that one day I was just going to get a house and a family and a pool and a white fence. That doesn't happen. No. It's the American dream, but any dream is just a dream unless it has a plan, yep. action, yep. diligence, pursuit. And there's a power that comes into your life, a confidence when you begin to manage yes. your money well. Yes. And I mean, don't buy anything else out of emotion. Yeah, for real. Especially big purchases. Yep. Go home, sleep on it. Dude, just the other day, I wanted to buy a Mercedes so bad. Bro. Like I was talking to Sarah about it. I have to get this car like right now have to go let's go i was messaging like six different people on facebook market we gotta go get it we gotta go get it we gotta go get it like we gotta go sarah come on come on just like just go to sleep i woke up the next day and the i gotta go get it's turned into gotta go get it i gotta go get it and then by the end of the day i was like what the heck i don't have to go get it mm. so just wait sleep yeah. on it for three nights yeah and if you still want it and it makes sense financially, mathematically. Yes. Since some of us don't understand that finances really are math. Yes, it's math, like, guys. You still have to do the math. Yes. Um, then yeah, go get it. Yeah. But thank you so much. Thank you. For listening. Thank you. Um, I guess you're a part of the family now. Yes. Uh, we love y'all so much. Yes, we appreciate and, uh, you guys big time. Be looking forward to the episode next week. We're so excited to get to talk with you again. So. Yeah. Go live powerful lives this week, guys. Yep. Go take care of it. Talk to you later. Peace.